0: Welcome to the Connectivity Matters Podcast, a series of interviews with key leaders throughout the industry. All brought to you by the Connectivity Team at NUCO, a specialist global recruitment and executive search firm.
1: Welcome to the Connectivity Matters Podcast, a mini-series special we're holding to put a spotlight on diversity and women in the industry. Your host today are me, Abby McMaster, an associate consultant here at Nuco and Alistair Wilson, a consultant here too. And we're very, very excited to be joined today by Alex Foster, Director of Division X at BT. Alex is recognized by computing as one of the top 100 UK IT leaders as one of the most influential women in fintech and BT-nominated mentee for 30% Club. And we're delighted to have her with us today. So, Alex, a huge welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, so to get us started, um, we always love to ask people the same question, and that is, how did you first get into the connectivity industry? Uh, well, how did I first get into
2: to my role? Actually, I probably had two careers. I started uh, my life in investment banking. Um, and I then transferred from investment banking into into telecoms. And when I first came into BT, um, I had responsibility for our radiance business, which was absolutely connected to financial services. So um, it's perhaps not the traditional route. Uh, so from university into investment banking and then a transfer of career, those transferable skills from one set of organisations to, to another. So slightly different perhaps to some people
1: yeah absolutely it's um it's so kind of nice to see how the transferable skills can lend itself so well across industries for sure um and as you're someone that's kind of been so successful in a, and and advanced in your career um so significantly um particularly now in such a well-established company um is there kind of a key achievement over the over the years that you're most proud of
2: I think the achievements that I'm most proud of is, you know, whenever we have leveraged the power of of technology in business and funnily enough, actually, whether that was in investment banking, when we went from the age of voice into electronic trading and seeing how electronic trading um, along with regulation could create differentiation in the market. But exactly the same in BT helping customers, you know, whether it was those first cases of of using blockchain, the the first cases of really using artificial intelligence to help customers or the first cases of digital twins and, and the metaverse. So for me, it's absolutely those big highs, those big achievements have always been pivoted on Cutting edge technology and really leveraging the power of that to be able to create a differentiation for for our customers.
1: Certainly, certainly, it's um, it's it's very impressive, and as we're seeing it far more now, um, kind of us in our everyday life, um, yeah, it's crazy to see how far it's come, um fantastic okay so in terms of kind of um your career so far have you had any kind of key mentors that have stood out to you um and, and kind of led you to to where you are now i've been
2: incredibly lucky with the mentors and sponsors that have uh, that i've had um across my career um whether i was in banking or now in telecoms and actually that's really made a uh, made a difference actually You know, somebody just giving you that nudge and saying, actually, go on, you know, go and go and you could go and do that. Or actually, I think you need to have a little bit more of this skill or that skill to, to augment your current skills. So um, people mentoring you, nudging you, um, and ultimately that sponsorship for, you know, I had one phenomenal mentor and he then uh, uh, was both a mentor and a boss um, and actually then stepping up into that director role here in BT. So absolutely, I've been incredibly lucky uh, with a number of uh, mentors, a number of sponsors and and a number of coaches. I think that I've also had the benefit of having coaches both internally and externally. The ability to have an open conversation with somebody externally to give you that voice of independent reasoning, uh, that voice just to, for you to be completely open and transparent with, uh, with somebody, but at the same time, having somebody who has your back internally and is going to put their hand up for you is vitally
1: important. Absolutely. I think it's, it's essential that we all have them for the encouragement as well as kind of the constructive criticism at the same time can be so, um, so kind of empowering to know where you, where you're going. Um fantastic. Well thank you so much for that. I'm going to pass now over to Alistair who's going to um ask you some questions about present and the future of the industry.
0: Oh. super cheers. Yeah slightly slightly more technological focus I suppose for this this part. Um so Alex you know one one thing I'm keen to kind of know you know 5G's been around for a few years now. Um it's really starting to mature should we say as a technology um you know, where do you see the next 12 months really really being the growth areas of 5G?
2: Well, we're absolutely seeing uh, 5G, particularly private 5G, transforming industries. We're seeing private 5G being used in ports, being used in manufacturing, being used in stadium, stadiums and being used um, across a plethora of other um, uh, industries. With that, that comes that high throughput, high resiliency, the ability to be able to to make decisions really, really quickly. And when it's augmented with other applications, uh, whether it's using things like CCTV and, and, and the application of artificial intelligence with that so that you've got computer vision, whether it's actually worker safety, Actually, using private five g, perhaps in a port environment, actually you're seeing the ability to be able to make decisions very, very quickly um and those decisions more often than not, you know whether it's around a forklift truck or whether it's around a crane, actually, it's really about the power of five g for good for heavy industry in particular, being able to there to help humans do their job but also do their job. Uh, safe, uh, safely, so we're seeing you know massive, significant uh, transformations, um, and actually it's around you know what was you know a proof of concept is absolutely in play now, being used, and it's that augmentation, five G plus IoT plus edge device the ability to then be able to make decisions using cloud compute and the circularity of all of it so yes seismic shifts seismic and significant transformations
0: no definitely and it's it's interesting there that you mentioned the particularly the private um wireless side of of the networks you know I feel like it's it's definitely seems like it's been something that's been been brewing in the industry for quite a number of years now and it seems like 5g is really, and um, should we say unlock that power to really get those yes, networks I mean, rolled out in a
2: absolutely yeah. there's there's private 5G we've also got the launch of standalone uh 5G that's using the best of the network and then being able to slice that network as well so even in the times that we we're, that, that we're talking actually you're seeing momentum and i think it's that pace of change that we're seeing you know what you talk about one week next week it's being um, uh, being established and the week after it's being improved it's being reiterated and it's being retuned as well so you've got this wonderful pace and speed around innovation at the moment that's creating change
0: Got you. Makes sense. And you've you've mentioned you know a, a few different use cases for five G and where where it can really be used to harness its power. Are there any particular imminent use cases of five G that you're particularly excited about? Areas of growth, even that you think where it could be utilised a little bit better.
2: Um, I think that when we look at 5G, you know, whether we're looking at transport, whether we're looking at logistics, whether we're looking at ports, whether we're looking at manufacturing, all of those areas have got an explosion of user cases now. The other thing, the other piece around it is 5G and how it plays into the sustainability uh, piece, you know, 5G actually, when you start to have a look at that, you know, much less uh, usage of of devices you know how it is then be able to provide all of that throughput actually you get a sustainable benefit to it as well so you know from heavy industry to logistics ports and transport and then the wrap around from both a security and a sustainability point of view
0: makes sense no really really interesting to hear yeah your your insights on what what you think about 5G and really what the next couple of years look like. Um, Yeah, I think it'd be great to perhaps pass you you back to Abby at this point to perhaps move on to the the main bulk of the podcast.
1: Fabulous. So, yes, um, if we move now on to um, our topic that matters, which is um, all about diversity and women in telco and women in the industry. So, firstly, I'm really keen to hear um, kind of your insights on uh, various aspects. But uh, to start with, I think... For someone that's kind of been in the industry for a little while now, um, I'm very keen to hear kind of what you think or how you think the attitudes towards um, diversity and inclusion have changed throughout your career so far in Telco. Um, To be honest, you know,
2: at BT in particular, we've always spent a lot of time looking at um, diversity and inclusion. Um, we've done an awful lot of work in terms of the initiatives, uh, whether it's from schools, uh, with our barefoot computing, so making sure that all children feel that they've got the ability uh, to, to, you know, really enjoy the STEM world, Uh, our Barefoot Computing Programme helps uh, volunteers, either BT volunteers or volunteers up and down the country working with schools to be able to to really start promoting STEM within a school environment. Uh, That then moves up the chain in terms of what we do both at uh, senior school and with university. And we have particular um, strategies and particularly um, initiatives um, around coding for girls, Um, the work that we do around um, cyber security so we've done quite a lot to really help educate really help make sure that people aren't frightened about technology I think it's very easy for people to, to feel that but actually you know we all know that when we first learned to ride a bike we were a little bit worried about it but now actually, you know, people get on a bike and, and cycle and, and people don't worry. And it's the same thing about STEM, actually making it accessible, making and taking all of that fear um, out of it means that actually we've done a huge amount of work in promoting um, DEI. And as a consequence of that, actually, we're seeing many more women uh, coming into uh, telco, coming into technology as well. And I think there's that sort of piece around when is it a telco? When is it a technology company? Well, in fact, actually, it's probably both. And I think that's also helping shift uh, the representation of uh, women into the into the telco sector. And I spend a lot of time with our apprentices and a lot of time with our, our graduates. And we've got you know, huge representation of women um across those and uh up through to our leadership roles within the organization as well.
1: Fantastic. And it's great to hear about those initiatives that um BT uh, BTO doing that barefoot um, initiative sounds incredible. Um and it's so important I think because it's um so well known that it is a grassroots kind of issue um a lot of the time. Um so I'm also really keen to know um if you've noticed a difference um, in industries, so in comparison to your kind of background in the finance industry and now in the telco, has there been a has there been a kind of stark difference in um, diversity, or or is it um, kind of transferable across both?
2: Um, I think both industries had previously been uh, predominantly more male rather than female, but I think both industries um, have taken huge steps to encourage more women to pursue careers either in banking or in telecoms. We've seen that the women in finance charter, um, that we've got Amanda Blanc uh, running on behalf of the government from, from Aviva. Um, and the same thing in terms of telco and technology. There are a huge amount of Um, organizations there to be able to encourage more women to pursue uh, careers in in telcos. And, you know, at the moment, you know, we've got um, one woman running Vodafone and we're about to have a woman CEO coming into BT in January to run our organization as well. So actually, if you've got two of the largest telcos in the UK, their CEOs being female, actually, what an amazing, uh, what an amazing um, plaudit that
1: is. For a career in telecoms for women, absolutely. Having those kind of top top tier companies um, as well as the top tier um, person, an individual being a woman, kind of what more could be what could be more inspiring, I guess. Um, okay, fantastic. And what do you think that that um, does for the industry? How do you think that changes um, companies um, in particular, maybe with BT? Um, what impacts do you think having a female CEO will have?
2: um as i said it's um you know it, it, it's a very big representation of a woman in uh, leadership roles um, and I think that that will encourage more and more women into uh, technology roles and it just shows you how inclusive uh, telecoms can be and particularly how inclusive we as an organisation could be and it shows that we are a very accessible workplace um, and actually nobody should be worried about coming into a STEM role and that actually you can go from being an apprentice to being a ceo and everything in between
1: so in terms of kind of you being um a very significant um woman in the industry are you kind of happy to share any are there any kind of sorry challenges that you faced or triumphs in being that female in the industry kind of breaking those barriers um have there been anything has there been any moments that have been significant to you um that you think like yes i've i've kind of made it um that type of thing I
2: think that um I I think some of the barriers have changed over time um my children are on their way to to university now um but if I think back um to when I had maternity leave uh coming back after maternity leave after after three months as it as it was then you know that was quite challenging but you know in, in the time since I've had my children and they're now going to university, actually, you know, huge amounts have been changed. Uh, whether that is either the fact that you've got, you know, a, a year's maternity leave or actually some of those provisions in terms of how you um, return to work, um, how we help return to workers at BT, we're really proud 87% of anybody who goes on maternity leave comes back into our organisation. So I can honestly say, actually, you know, when I had my children, um, the short maternity leave but the time was quite challenging, particularly as I was going uh, back into uh, back onto the trading floor, and that was definitely a challenge. Um, the other challenge I had was that some of the things that are now mainstays, so things like lactating rooms, those were, you know were definitely not common. I think I perhaps was one of the first women to ask for one of those when I returned to work. So that was definitely a challenge. But rest assured, actually. You know that I feel like I, I, I'm particularly ancient even talking about it now, because actually th- those twenty years on, actually the world has changed significantly, and actually we've got great maternity policies, we've got great return back to work policies and and helping people back into the workplace post maternity and also the facilities that we've got for women particularly or, or, or people who want to, to carry on and bring their babies into the organisation and or want to carry on feeding, um, the, all of those provisions are there. But at the time, it was quite challenging.
1: Yeah. Um, and kind of um, introducing those those um, aspects must have been very challenging, I can imagine. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it's made it easier for everyone today, which is incredible. For sure. Um, Okay, so in terms of um, inclusion in general, obviously, um, it's not just gender that, um, that is kind of has been an issue in the past. Um, How do you think organisations, obviously BT are doing really well, uh, but how do you think organisations can make their workplace more accessible to everyone, um, not just specifically uh, women? For
2: me inclusivity um is is expansive and one topic uh, close to my heart um is around dyslexia um I work and we do a, do, a, do work with uh, Kate Griggs and the Made by Dyslexia organisation and we have a chapter of the Made by Dyslexia organisation here at BT really looking at dyslexia as a as a superpower um, and actually that dyslexic thinking about being able to be creative, join the dots um, and think in a different way is absolutely about creating an inclusive place for all types of people to to come and work. Um, I particularly work with um, and I run our dyslexic network here in BT so for me uh, you're quite right inclusion doesn't just mean gender inclusivity it's all of those facets of um of of inclusivity but the one that's definitely closest to my heart is dyslexia
1: do you mind sharing anything about those um those groups um how how they've been going and and what um what kind of strategies you um you take to to um kind of integrate them better
2: so um we work with um uh, across the organization, um, as far as uh, dyslexia is concerned, um, you know, whether it's apprentices or graduates coming in or other other colleagues right the way across the organization, actually, I think it's the fact that we are open and speak quite freely about it has enabled others in the organization. One gentleman said to me, he'd never sort of spoken openly about it and it was the first time in his life he'd spoken about it and i think it's giving people the ability to be honest and to really recognize the skills that they bring to the organization um you know one of the things we've now got is you know uh thank goodness we've got uh microsoft and word um if spelling is somebody's difficulty, well, actually, Word solves all of that. If you want something read out, then you've got the speech to text um, ability uh, as far as the the Microsoft packages are concerned. So, technology absolutely helps alleviate some of the some of the issues, but also there is definitely the recognition of what those skills bring to the organisation too
1: absolutely um it's it's crazy that everyone's minds are so incredibly different and having them all together just broadens um everyone's ability to kind of do better in the world i think yes okay fantastic um how do you think uh, on that that imposter syndrome um well sorry i'll rephrase that um so obviously imposter syndrome plays a massive effect on people um especially people who potentially think they are slightly different or don't fit into exactly what what, uh, has been set out as the norm. Um, How do you think that imposter syndrome affects people today and what do you think could be done about it?
2: Um, I always like to sort of slightly reframe imposter syndrome. Um, I know lots of people feel that imposter syndrome is about doubting your accomplishments and and I think there's a sort of fear factor there but actually I think sometimes if you flip fear on its head um you can then start to recognize actually learning moments and actually if you then start to to reframe that as a as a different perspective it can be turned from a negative into a into a positive Um, And actually, if you start to say, first of all, you know, with people, you know, recognize, you know, your success, recognize your your achievements um, and then think about, you know, how people came about that. I think that there's also the understanding that nobody knows everything. Um, I think it was HP who did a survey on imposter syndrome. and, And actually, I think it was. I think it was. I'm just trying to remember the statistics. I think it was 75% women versus 67% men. And I think a lot of people would be surprised by that figure because I think people might think there would be an even greater delta between the two, but it just shows you that at some point in time, everybody has this question mark. But actually coming back to that reframing, if you embrace the learning, knowing that, you know, learning is for life not just for school um anyway, and 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 personally i'm always learning i'm always doing a course of of some sort um it's absolutely part of my my dna um and i think that making sure that learning shows you it's an opportunity for growth um, rather than it being a learning moment as evidence of of, of inadequ- inadequacy you know making sure that you're seeing that you are you know, just like a plant needs to be fed and watered and and fertilized, you're doing the same thing uh, with yourself. I think the other thing about um, when people have a little bit of, of doubt, you know, remember to be kind, be kind to yourself. You know, there are, you're not unique in terms of having these feelings. But I think, you know, instead of, Again, framing it as a negative, frame it as a as a as a positive. It's a normal part of the process of of trying. Um, and then there's that sort of learning and improving, coming back to our bicycle. You know, we all had to learn to to pedal. We occasionally fell off. Did I graze my knees? Absolutely. Did I get back on? Absolutely. So you've got that normal process of try, learn, improve. And that then reframes any of the negative reflection back into a into a positive reflection, um, and then finally, I think that it's good we talked about having coaches and mentors and and advocates. Always, you know, uh, we had an old advert: "Good to talk," and it definitely is. You know, seek support. Uh, you know, go and find that that trusted work colleague or go and find that trusted mentor and they will tell you how they have learned how they have grown um and how their own experiences have turned learning moments into into learning successes as well so i think those are those are all the things and then finally you know celebrate you know see how far you've come um, you know, what have you've achieved and you know we've all got we've all got our own personal sat navs and we all have got ideas about you know how and where we want to go, but celebrate how far you've gone on your journey and then think about the steps that you want to take to get you to you know your next destination. Um, and remember you're not alone. Um, reframe it and it's just a sign of growth and learning and definitely not a sign of anything in terms of inadequacies.
1: Beautifully said, I think that was um, absolutely perfect. Um, and it's so true. If um, we could get that written up and put everywhere, um, I think people would feel a lot better about themselves. <laughs> Certainly. Um, okay, so obviously BT are doing really well. And in in kind of the places that you've been, um, Diversity has always been something that's been um, at the forefront. Um, but for an organisation that that hasn't been the case, and they're trying to get into um, being better in this sense, do you have any specific um, recommendations for them to how for how to in- be more inclusive? Um,
2: how to be more inclusive? I think that it's around making sure that as you're. Looking at the organization and roles come up, or when you're starting to hire into the organization, making sure that you've got diverse lists to start with. If your list isn't diverse to start with, then actually it's going to be quite hard to create an inclusive environment. Um, And so actually I think it definitely starts with having a look at how you hire and who you hire and making sure that those that are hiring are starting to think about skills and think about inclusivity at the same time. And I think that's a really good place to start. I think that um, organizations that are on a journey, can start to lean into some of the networks that are out there externally, Uh, and whether it is the, the things like women in technology or women in telco, or, you know, there are, you know, each industry, nearly every industry has a network. And actually, you can start to lean into that network, a from a learning point of view, But also be from a pipeline point of view, because actually your organisation will start to show up as an organisation for whom inclusivity is important. And on the back of that, you'll then start to find candidates, you'll then start to find apprentices, you'll then start to find graduates, and you'll then start to find a plethora of candidates who want to work at your organisation because you are seen to be inclusive and you're behaving in an inclusive manner.
1: Absolutely. It can only be a positive thing um for everyone involved. Um yes. I think so. And I think that's um universally thought now, Well, hopefully. Um, okay, fantastic. I, I really, really appreciate your thoughts there, Alex. It's um brilliant to hear. Um I'm gonna pass you back over to Alistair for um for another question um oh. about you outside of work. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: <laughs> uh yeah so alex keen to keen to kind of find out a little bit more about you and yeah what you like to do do outside of work so i suppose uh, yeah the first question is what, what would the perfect weekend look for look like for you
2: well my perfect weekend um definitely hanging out with my uh friends and family uh, that's really important to me uh monday to friday is definitely busy uh with work but at uh, the weekend you know, is important to, you know, really spend time with my my friends and my family. But also uh, one of the things that I really like, you know, I'm into my technology um, and I quite like when technology uh, works with uh, my, uh, you know, my, my going to the gym as well. And so I love uh, doing a thing called EMS um, I gather Tom Holland used it to get into his Spider-Man suit, so if it was good enough for him. Um, and that's uh, where it's a combination of uh, electromuscle stimulant uh, or stimulation um, at the same time as working out. So you've got the best of technology um, and you've got yourself to challenge as well. So uh, for me, a weekend is definitely friends, family and doing an EMS uh, fitness class. And then outside of that, um, I love gardening. I always talk to many of the people that I mentor, Uh, and many of my team, they will always hear some of my gardening analogies. You heard it earlier on about making sure that we feed water and fertilise ourselves for growth. And I always say to people exactly the same thing. You know, right, we're planting some seeds, we're planting some bulbs. Actually, we're doing a little bit of pruning because that's also important. We're also doing some transplanting, which is equally important as well, both from a career point of view or from a gardening point of view. So that's the final thing for me. Um, I'm a definite gardener. Um, I love having lots of flowers, (coughs) excuse me, I love having lots of flowers um, around my garden and, uh, you know, all the way throughout the year. So it's about making sure that I've got the timing of that, but actually it doesn't come without the hard work of being able to plant, being able to water um, and being able to prune as well. And lots lots of parallels there in terms of growth in work
0: super that's <laughs> sounds interesting i think if i had uh yeah if i went to my gym with some yeah <laughs> electro electro things stuck on me i think yeah probably get a couple of funny looks but it sounds like you've got a specific class that you go to that that it's all about
2: yeah i mean ems now there are places in the city if you go down to bank there's surge if mm-hmm. you go to chiswick there's ems chiswick and um in my hometown of richmond uh there's ems physico so uh there are lots of ems places opening up and um, it's great. Twenty minutes, um, and you come out, and you are ready to go, and you are raring, and uh, you really get the E stands for electro, but it could also stand for energy boost as well, or it certainly does for me.
0: Got you, super. Maybe maybe I have to give it a go. <laughs> but yeah, no, definitely. Um, but,
2: you know, come on down.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, super. Well, well, thanks for thanks for the insight. Great to find out a bit bit more about you. Um, what I'll do is I'll pass you back to Abby for what will be the final question for today yeah
1: um, yes, I'm not, not much of a fitness one for me, but um, that sounds very impressive. <laughs> sounds absolutely like mad, but yeah, very cool. Um, a nice integration of um tech and tech and exercise. Yes. Um, okay, fantastic. Well, the final question I have for you is, um, what one piece of advice would you give to someone who's entered the industry and is struggling with diversity and inclusion?
2: Oh. A piece of advice with somebody who is struggling with diversity and inclusion: um, make sure that you are in the right team. Uh, being in the right team where you've got your own growth, I think that's really, really important. Um, because otherwise, you're 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 not going to you're not going to grow. So I think that if the situation that you are in is meaning that you are struggling with uh, diversity inclusion, then perhaps you're not in the right place or lean in to the organisation to help prove um, and help improve the diversity and inclusion. So either, you know, uh, just like I was talking about plants, replant yourself, or. Um, Give yourself the opportunity to grow by really leaning into the agenda and saying, actually, we've got to do much more about diversity and inclusion. And then start to put in some programmes, start to put in some awareness so that um, people can start to think about it and then start to think about joining uh, some of those networks or creating a network either internally or externally so that actually... Um, the organisation learns, the organisation then starts to promote and you um, advocating diversity and inclusion within your environment will then create an environment where everybody should feel uh, valued. Um, Any biases are then addressed and actually the whole organisation grows. And again, making sure that it's a supportive environment, making sure you can put in some of those networks where actually you can provide opportunities for others to be able to get advice and to be able to get support. Um, And then look outside externally for some of those networks so that actually you get external allies to be able to learn from, understand from, and um, support you and your organisation as well.
1: Well, Alex, thank you so, so much for your time and your, all of your um, thoughts. It's been absolutely brilliant hearing um, your insights. and such a pleasure to have you on. Um, so thank you so, so much. Pleasure and uh, take care, everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more people. For more information about Nuco, we can be found at www.nuco-group.com. That's N-E-U-C-O-Group.com.